You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. The scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Solomon, brought spices so that each might go to anoint him. And they very early in the morning on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was sacrificed. He has been risen. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb. For terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to to God. Would you join with me in a moment of prayer? Gracious and loving God, we pray that in this moment, the words of my mouth and that spirit that we lean into would help us receive And that even more, the spirit that is between us would open all of us up to hear, not my message, but yours, your truth. May this Easter become real for each of us in this moment and in the days to come in the name of Christ. Amen. Recently on one of the late night talk shows, they had an on-the-street reporter go out and ask Young children, what's the meaning of Easter? Now, these children weren't from a particular school or share a common background. They were just kids on the street who were given permission, presumably by their parents, to be asked a question on camera. What is the meaning of Easter? Was asked to each of these young children. One uh, clearly was a little confused on the story. He said, uh, the guy got toys. What kind of toys? Legos! He was really excited. He had Easter joy, just didn't quite have the right story. Uh, A lot of the kids, though, did pretty good in in getting some of the basics. One said uh, he rose from the dead. Uh, One boy said, well, Jesus led some people. And I'm not sure if he was really meaning Moses or talking about Jesus was leading his disciples, but either way. One young lady said he was put in a cave And then there was this big stone they put at the head of the cave, okay? Sort of a good Friday, but getting in the right direction. Um, One said, on Easter, Jesus made a bunny. And then he came back to tell the bunny not to hide the Easter eggs. Uh, Creative writer. Um, One said, what's the meaning of Easter? He did this. Again, 
maybe not the Easter story, but this boy understands something about what happens in this week. Another boy said this. Jesus taught us to love our enemies and to care for the poor, and they killed him. And then he came back. A question was asked, why did he come back? Why did he come back? It's not a bad question, and I'm not sure it's as easy to answer as we might first think. I've been haunted by that question. Why did he come back? Now, as I've struggled with that question, I've thought about the Easter's of my life. Easter was always a big deal in the family of my origin. Every Easter that I have memory of, we came down the stairs, and there on the dining room table, there were the multicolored weaved baskets filled with green grass and jelly beans and chocolate eggs and chocolate bunnies. And then we would go to church, and we would go to church, and in our church anyway, we always had an Easter breakfast. And I, every Easter breakfast I could remember in that home church, uh, I was helping set up tables and chairs, I was clearing tables, I was working. Uh, that's sort of what you do uh, if you're a member of my family and you're going to church. Uh, it was always something very important to all of us. And I'd like to think that I would have done okay in answering the question, what's the meaning of Easter? At least until they got to that question, why did he come back? And of course, I've had some time to really struggle with that question. In our home church, also, we had a sunrise service every year, and the MYF group, UMYF group, the youth group, was responsible for leading that worship service. And when I was president of the UMYF, I took my turn in being the preacher for that Easter sunrise service. I don't remember an awful lot about what I said. I actually can remember looking at the congregation from the pulpit. I do remember that I was still writing the message on the morning of Easter Sunday, so take that for what it's worth. But counting that Sunday, this is my 42nd Easter Sunday where I get to bring the message of Easter to a congregation, to you. 42 years I've been coming every year to talk about this story, to bring my understanding an answer to the question, why did he come back? And today, as I think about the stories of Easter, the truth is I don't stick with just one. I sort of have a, a whole uh, combining together of the Easter stories of the Gospels in my mind, all of the drama of Luke and John mixed with Mark and Matthew, telling all the stories, all of the parts of the story that we know so well. The early morning nature of it, the fact that, this, that the women were coming to finish their task of completing the embalming and fixing Jesus' body for his final resting in peace. The fact that the women played a critical role, which was always a big deal to me. The fact that there were angels and there was a stone rolled away and there was Peter who came running back and forth and everybody was scared and everybody was perplexed and they were told to go and tell and yet they didn't know really what to do. All of those things are caught in my moment, in my mind and in, in, as I think about those moments. There's one in particular that has stayed with me over the last 
two days. And we hear about it in the gospel story we heard read today. There's this moment where they get to the tomb and they look in. And inside they don't see a body. They see an angel. And they look to where the body had been laid and the body's no longer there. And the angel says to them, he has been raised. He is not here. Look, this is the place where they laid him. And in that moment, I keep getting caught by how they must have felt when they heard that message. When you consider all that they had been through, the three years of following Jesus, the intensity of Holy Week, the intensity of going to the Garden of Gethsemane and going through the terrible crucifixion of Christ, the reality that they were so physically exhausted to realize that they were also carrying so much shame about how they had abandoned Jesus. They hadn't fought for him. They hadn't died with him. They left him alone. How they were carrying grief because they loved Jesus. They really did, even though they failed him. And all of that is a part of who they are on that morning, in that early morning, after sleepless nights. How exhausted they must have been. And now, to hear the news that Jesus is not here, Yes, he's resurrected. That's what the angel said. But I can only imagine, as exhausted as they were, how they probably didn't fully pick up on that. And the gospel tends to tell us that's true. And if I put myself in that place, and isn't that what we do with Scripture? We try to put ourselves in the story. How would we respond? And of course, we always respond as somebody who would have been more faithful, more in the lead. But I wonder if on that Easter morning, had I been there and had I looked in and I'd seen where the body had laid and it's gone and the angel says he's not here, he's resurrected, I wonder out of the sheer exhaustion that I had and that I have, I wonder if I might have said, listen, can I just sit for a few minutes? Do you mind if I just sit down for a few minutes? I am drained. And I can imagine myself wanting to go into the tomb and asking the angel to scoot over a little bit so I can sit down. So there I can try inside of a tomb to catch my breath, to catch my bearings, to find a place where in a tomb I can be protected from the stresses and strains of the world that I've been living in. And maybe there, just for a brief moment, in isolation to find Rest for a weariness that sleep somehow cannot take care of. I wonder if as I sat there, I might have asked, could I just pause a little longer? And let me be here and let resurrection wash over me in this place. Let it heal me. Let me cry. Let me grieve. And let me be in this place where I can also reflect on how all of my grief and weariness have created behaviors within me over the past few days and weeks and months that I'm not proud of, and let resurrection forgive me and heal me for those moments. I think maybe I would have wanted to just sit down for a while. And maybe while sitting there, I would have reached over and wanted to touch the garments that were folded there so neatly. Not really so much needing proof, as much as comfort, to feel their texture, to feel something presumably soft. You probably have heard of the Shroud of Turin. It's a 
a very famous piece of fabric that uh, the church for centuries has said it was the burial shroud of Jesus. And if you take a look at it, it seems to show almost like a photo negative, a picture of someone who looks like Jesus with marks of crucifixion. And this shroud has been an important relic of the Catholic Church for centuries. And it's been a prized possession, an important piece of something that we can tangibly look at and in some ways touch to put ourselves in the moment of resurrection. Even those scientists have done their studies at it and basically said, this is not very likely a shroud that Jesus would have been buried in. Its dating seems to come from later time after Jesus would have been uh, alive and dead and buried and resurrected. And even though science teams have proven that probably isn't his exact burial shroud, people still want to see it. They still want to have some faith in it. And in 2010, it was on display for six weeks in Italy. It's only been on display 18 times in all the centuries. And in six weeks, two million people went to see the Shroud of Turin. Two million people in six weeks because they were so hungry to just have an opportunity to get in touch with, to be in the presence of that moment inside the tomb. I think I would have wanted to touch the garments of Jesus and just let them heal me, calm me, and bring me peace. I don't know how many of you feel coming into this Easter that perhaps there is a bit of weariness within you. And in this world that seems pretty scrambled and pretty messed up, and our lives have been following patterns of behavior that have been consistent and yet become more weary and taxing day by day, I wonder how many of us are coming into this Easter not able to just jump up and shout and celebrate If you are in that place, and if you know others who are, and if you're coming into this Easter lamenting the fact that everything around us that we could list ad nauseum has taken what feels like Easter away from us, nothing of what we are doing today feels like a normal Easter. And yet, we're here to hear the gospel word to hear a message and reflect on to hear the music and the hopes and in the faith that somehow it will stir within us what Easter is meant to give to us, which is new life. And as I think about sitting there in that tomb seeking comfort and rest and peace, this is where I'm going to disagree with the angel. I can imagine myself saying to the angel, you know, you just said, he is not here. He is risen. And that's where I beg to differ. Because what I've come to know about the risen Christ is exactly this. There is no place where he isn't. There is no place that I can go where I've take my, taken myself so far away, removed that Christ can't get to me, can't be with me. 
that there's no place in my life that I can drop down to, get low enough in, whether it's my weariness or my sinfulness, where God cannot still reach me. You see, angel, I don't think you're right, because I think even in the tomb, he's there. His body isn't, but he is, because the resurrected Christ is everywhere. And right now, today, on this Easter, when everything still feels pretty messed up, this is what I believe, angel. If I have to sit down and rest for a while, the resurrected Christ is with me. If I'm coming into this Easter worn out, the resurrected Christ is with me. And as I'm trying to get pieces put together in my life and in my thoughts about what's going to happen next, and sometimes I can't put it all together and I can't make sense of it, the risen Christ is with me. You see, angel, I think you're missing the point. I may need to go and do a mission. I may need to go and tell others. But I don't need to go somewhere to find Jesus because he's right here. If he's resurrected, it's Easter morning. He's with me right here, right now, in this tomb. And so I want to suggest to you, on this Easter morning, if you're feeling at all less than completely Easterish, take the word of one who also comes into this Easter trying to deal with less than what I fully wanted my last Easter as a preacher to be. And I'm still discovering that this risen Christ is meeting me where I am. This risen Christ is allowing me to be with him on this Easter morning as unique and less than Easter as I oftentimes had thought this day would be. And yet, discovering it's as much Easter as any Easter has ever been. Because not even the way in which this world is disjointed and broken and quite frankly just weird, even here and now, the risen Christ is with us. And you know that's true. And how you can know that's true is look back at how many Easter's you've experienced over the last few months. Take a look at the Easter's that have been popping all around you. And I began thinking about all the ways in which I've seen God revealed, Christ showing his love dynamically and powerfully in these last few months, not even the whole year. And as I think about the moments that I have been overwhelmed with the way in which Christ's love broke through the moment, came in the midst of a time of struggle to get me through it, to carry me around it. I know that Easter's real. As we come together today, I want to tell you a little bit of how Easter came to me this week. Last Sunday in the sermon, I was telling a story about a family that my daughter knows who is um, taking risk. Yes, they are in this country illegally trying to find a way to protect their children and also taking risks in hiring two individuals, coyotes they're called, to bring their other two remaining children across the border so they can be reunited, so they can have a chance at a new life here. The point isn't, it wasn't last week, about political issues on immigration. It's about caring for people. It's about understanding the risks that people make. 
And in the story last week, I was talking about the fact that this family who has very little money had entered into relationships of amount of money to get these coyotes to bring their kids across the border in an amount equal to about $16,000, which in their world is an unbelievable sum. And I told that as a part of the story about the risk this family is willing to take. This weekend, I got a call from a family who said, uh, if you're going to be home, I'd like to stop by and drop something off. Well, I wasn't home, but Laura was, and I let them know. They said, great, we'll come by and see Laura. This, this family came by our house, and just to say a word, this family's a, a great family, um, faithful members of this church, but for a lot of reasons, uh, all of which are completely understandable, have not been able to regularly worship for some time, even before COVID, because they care for their families in a way which doesn't allow them to get to church. But they're part of the church, and I hadn't seen them for a long time. And since COVID, I hadn't seen them. But they caught up and asked if they could stop by. And Laura came to the door when they got there, and she opened the door and was so happy to see them, and they were talking. And then this family reached out and handed an envelope to Laura. And inside the envelope was a significant amount of cash. And Laura's looking like, what's this for? And the family said, we listened to the sermon last week, and we want that money to go to that family that Pastor Rick was preaching about so they can help pay off their debts and take care of their family. I wasn't telling the story last week to raise money. That wasn't the point of the message, but here's what happens. This family chose to respond in a way because they heard about the plight of another family. And they decided to act in ways that showed mercy and compassion and, yes, generosity. And what moved me was not the money in an envelope. It was the stirring of a spirit within their hearts to even think to act in that way. To even think in a way that I wasn't encouraging or thinking other people should do, not that there was anything wrong with it, but that wasn't my goal. But that's how they chose to respond. Because they are in touch with the resurrected Christ. And their story tells me that Easter is very much real and the church is very much real. People are listening. People are caring for each other in all kinds of ways. And while we sit here today on an Easter Sunday that feels different... Easter is not. The resurrected Christ is present to us. And even whether or not we are in a tomb of isolation trying to get some rest, trying to get some peace, trying to shut out the stresses around us, or whether we're going through the motions on an Easter Sunday trying to discover and create Easter, or maybe we are simply trying to figure out how we can live our life in a faithful witness, Easter is showing up. God's people, whether they're sitting in a tomb or racing down the road to tell others about the fact that Christ is resurrected, have discovered this resurrected Christ is with us. And so on this Easter 
morning. Let me tell you why Jesus came back. He came back so if you are sitting in a tomb, you're not sitting alone. He came back because if there's human need, he will help lead other people to come and meet the need. Jesus came back because he wants on this Easter Sunday, no matter what else may be going on in the circumstances of your life, the expectations you place on this day, or their future in front of you, he came back so you would know that God is with you in flesh, in blood, and in truth. Jesus Christ is resurrected. And there's no place you can go, angel. There's no place you can go, weary people. There's no place you can go in this world or the next where this resurrected Christ won't be with you. And after 42 years, that's what I need to tell you today. There is no place where this resurrected Christ won't be with you, and there is no future where this resurrected Christ hasn't gone before you. So rise up, Easter people. Rest if you need to, but then get ready to rise up, because this Easter, the truth is, Christ is the truth. He is resurrected, and that is why he came back. Thanks be to God, and amen, and amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.